our study. Um, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for these ladies that are here. I thank you for this exciting journey through Nehemiah that we're drawing to a close today, Father God. I thank you for um, your words as plain out as it is written, but also um, the nuggets that we find when we dig deeper into your word, Father God. You are so good, and there is always so much there for us to find and discover about you, and and I thank you for that. I thank you... Um, for longing to draw us closer to you, if only we would um, just heed that. And I pray that through this study that we've grown closer to you and that we um, have just gotten a little more insight into how great you are, Father God. I thank you for Nehemiah and um, the care and love that he had for your people. And I pray that we also would have the same care and love for your people, Father God, that we would always... Um, be looking out for each other and taking care of each other and concern for each other's spiritual growth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Nehemiah chapter 12. Um, boy, we just jump right into a list of names here with this. And uh, one of the commentaries that I read had uh, a little thing that I liked about it. It says, Why Nehemiah lists these names is not mentioned perhaps to keep in remembrance the good men that helped lead the people in revival to the Lord. Psalm 112.6 says, The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. Let the memory of the just be blessed. So, um, I think that we need to remember the faithful guides that we've had in the Word. And um, Jeff and Connie, as they leave us, we need to not forget to pray for them without ceasing. Um, they've been very faithful in leading us and guiding us in the word, and I'm thankful for them. And let us just pray for those people that, um, you know, they put themselves to closer scrutiny in the world standards and uh, more attacks by Satan when they're trying to share God's word and his love for us. And so please keep those teachers in prayer. Uh, The priests and the Levites. Um, these are the priests and the Levites who came up with Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua. And then it lists some of their names. And um, so it started off, these are the priests and the Levites. So who are the Levites? Um, I'm sure we all kind of have an idea. But uh, what I found when I did a little bit of research about who the heck are the Levites was that the Levites had many responsibilities in the life and worship of Israel. One of the most important responsibilities was to lead the people in songs of worship and praise to the Lord. What a fun job. I would love that one. Except I can't sing a note, I can't carry a tune, and I can't even clap along to the music because I can't hold the beat for more than two beats, maybe. So, But I have fun doing it. Um, The Levites were a substitute for every firstborn of Israel. As God claimed in judgment all the firstborn of Egypt in the Passover plague, He also claimed the firstborn of the Israelites for his service. That's in Exodus 12.2. The means he affected this service um, by was that the Levites would be their substitutes. And that's from Numbers 3.12. As such, the tribe was allotted no tribal inheritance because the Lord was their inheritance. Deuteronomy 10.9. 
Instead, through the tithe, they were to live directly through the hand of God. Leviticus 27:32 and Numbers 18:21-24 and 35:1 through 8. Got stuff to back that all up. So, I don't know if you know it, but still today, there are people that live from the hand of God through our tithes. They're supported through our church, and they literally live on very meager means that is supplied by the Lord through our tithes. And our money that we tithe here in little tiny running springs goes all the way to missionaries in the Sudan, in India, in China, in places all over the world. And so, and also, right here in our church, Jerry lives off our ties, Brandon lives off our ties, Jeff and Connie lived off our ties. And um, so, there's many, many reasons that the Lord asks us to tithe. And... That should be a very personal reason that's easy for us to see. These are living examples of people that are relying on the hand of God, and we need to be tithing. And I know, you know, people get hung up on should I do my net or my gross pay, and should I do this and should I do that. It doesn't matter. Tithe. You know, should I pay my bills first? You know, sometimes I think i got to get food for my family. And so my tithe may be a little bit smaller that time than the next time. But um, we have to be tithing. There are people, and we see later in this study, that are depending on those tithes for their livelihood. And so, you know, it's a hard subject to talk about. Something that we usually don't talk about with each other is finances or whether or not we tithe. And one reason is because we don't want to... The other reason is because we don't want to be humiliated, but it's something that we very much need to do. Um, One day I came upstairs, I have to tell a story, I came walking up the stairs and there was a little boy on his knees by the tithe box, Ruth saw it too, made me cry, I still could cry, I might cry. Um, But he had his little piggy bank and he was very carefully stretching out each of his little crumpled dollars and feeding them in the little slot and I was like, what an example. Man, I wish I had taped that so I could be like his little dollars and his little coins he was dropping them. And it was just such an example for me. Like, Lord, I need to be on my knees when I put my tithe in there. <laughs> like, it was such a beautiful thing to see. And I just wish I knew his parents were so I could give him a hug. Like, you're doing a good job. Thank you for that example. So... The Levites functioned in two ways. First, they represented the people to God. They presented the offerings um, from the people to the Lord. But also, they represented God to the people by enforcing the holy restrictions around the tabernacle and promoting the holiness of the people. The Levites were teachers, Deuteronomy 32.10 and Malachi 2.5-7, and to act as judges, 2 Chronicles 19.8-11. and 11. So these people had a lot of work cut out for them. And that's what they were trained to do, um, was to minister, to run the temple, to present the offerings, and to lift up the people in God's word and help them uh, grow in God's word. And these were the heads of the priests and their brethren, and um, they had a lot of names here. And I don't want to read them all because, one, I'll murder them, and two, it's a lot, and you might fall asleep and then not hear anything else. But um, 
like if you look through that list, I'm sure that you'll recognize a lot of those names. There's a lot of books um, in the Bible that are written by these people. I was just telling them in leader study, these were kind of the head honchos of the day, the Chuck Smiths of the day. Like these were the big wigs um, that they're talking about here uh, that were their spiritual leaders, their spiritual guides that they had at the time. And so... So then they had the gatekeepers the and all these people that had all the jobs and the governor and the priests and the scribes and everyone else um, that they had brought with them. And so they go in, in verse 27, Now at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness both with thanksgiving and singing, with cymbals and stringed instruments and harps. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the countryside around Jerusalem, from the villages of the Nopathites, from the house of Gilgal, from the fields of Geba and Asmaveth, for the singers had built themselves villages all around Jerusalem. Then the priests and the Levites purified themselves and purified the people, the gates and the wall. So I brought the leaders of Judah up on the wall and appointed two large thanksgiving choirs. One went out to the right hand on the wall toward the refuse gate, or refuse gate, I don't know. After them went Hoshiah and half of the leaders of Judah, Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shehemiah, Jeremiah, and some of the priest's sons with trumpets. Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mattaniah, the son of... Micaiah, the son of Zakur, the son of Asaph, and his brethren. Let's, uh, and they were using musical instruments of David, the man of God. Ezra the scribe went before them. By the fountain gate in front of them, they went up the stairs of the city of David, on the stairway of the wall, beyond the house of David, as far as the water gate eastward. The other Thanksgiving choir went the opposite way, and I was behind them with half of the people on the wall, going past the tower of the ovens as far as the broad wall, and above the gate of Ephraim, above the old gate, above the fish gate, the tower of Hanel, the tower of the hundred as far as the sheep gate, and they stopped by the gate of the prison. So the two Thanksgiving choirs stood in the house of God, likewise I and half the rulers with me, and the priests Eliakim, Masiah, Minjamin, Micaiah, Eliunai, Zechariah, and Hananiah with trumpets. Okay, let's, and then singers sing loudly with Jazariah, the director. Also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard from afar off. So one of the things that I get from those scriptures is, you know, a lot of times, I don't know if any of you have ever had this happen, but people don't want to be Christians because it's going to be boring. You can't have fun anymore. got to follow these rules all the time. Um, they were having a blast. That was a heck of a party. I wish I could have been there. There was joy there. And if anyone ever tells you that as a reason why they can't be saved, point them right here to these scriptures and talk about how much fun they were having because they were having a good time in the Lord. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. 
And I love how the joy just spilled over. Telling the ladies, I always wonder at these houses right here. They probably, I'm sure they can't understand what we're singing, but I just wonder if that joy spills out onto their houses and they feel the joy that comes out of our church. I hope so, because um, it's a beautiful thing. And I'm sure that the women and, and children that were far off didn't know what they were singing, but they were just singing too. And it doesn't matter. Um, it, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, and I hope, I pray that our joy spills over onto other people and that it's felt afar off. Uh, Nehemiah, he was a great man. He was not just concerned with the external reconstruction of Jerusalem. He also devoted himself to the spiritual reform of Judah. With Ezra's help, he brought back a passion for the Lord. He appointed officers to govern the people. He arranged for the people to be taught the law of Moses. He supervised the reading of the law at the Feast of the Tabernacles, where the people promised to avoid foreign marriages, to keep Sabbaths, and support temple services. And then, also from these scriptures, um, worship's not just for entertainment, but to give glory and honor to God. We should not be concerned who hears us, and maybe judges, because I'm no singer. Um, when we worship, but more the joy that we find when we are worshiping the Lord, we should be more concerned that that joy is spilling onto others and that people don't say, dang, she sings terrible, but dang, hear her joy. That's more I should be more concerned with when I worship the Lord because when we seek Him and we just get these little glimpses here and there of how glorious and how good He is, you can't help but feel that joy and have it spill out of you. Um, yeah, I just pray that others are affected by our joy. And the temple responsibilities, verse 44. At the same time, some were appointed over the rooms of the storehouse for the offerings, the first fruits, the tithes, to gather into them from the fields of the cities and portions specified by the law for the priests and the Levites. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and Levites who ministered. Both the singers and the gatekeepers kept the charge of their God and charge of the purification according to the command of David and Solomon his son. For in the days of David and Asaph of old were, there were chiefs of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. In the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah, all Israel gave the portions for the singers and the gatekeepers, a portion for each day. They also consecrated holy things for the Levites, and the Levites consecrated them for the children of Aaron. As believers, we should not undertake anything that we don't dedicate to the Lord. We need to have pure hearts in everything that we do. Um, when we go shopping, we need to be thinking about, well, I like to think about the Holy Spirit's inside me. Is the Holy Spirit going to be honored? Or is he going to be like, I wish, God, can I just get out of her for a minute, like when I'm wearing that outfit? And um, everything that we do, from when we buy a house, we build a house, to raising our children, to buying our clothes, needs to be dedicated to the Lord. And... Uh, we need to make sure that we're doing things with a pure heart for the right reasons. I'm excited. Um, there's Our house burned down in 07. Everyone knows that. 
but we rebuilt in the same spot. And it was such a neat thing that we got to do. There are great blessings in having bad things happen to you. I'm sure you all know. But we got to invite all of our friends to write scripture. And there's scripture all on the studs and on the floor in our house. Our house is literally just full of God's word. And I love that. And so I always think, you know, if somebody walks in here with a demon inside of him, I hope that he just flees because he's so uncomfortable being in this house. And I always think about the people that will move there after us, how exciting that is, how it will affect their lives even though they don't know it's there. It's just very exciting to me, and I'm so blessed that it wasn't just our scriptures either. It was people who loved us that put these scriptures in there. It was a really neat thing. And so I wish everything that we do, that it's built on God's word like that, that it's hidden in there in places that people can't see, they don't know, but it's there because we love him. Um, principles of Separation, verse or chapter 13. On that day they read from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people, and in it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever come into the assembly of God because they had not met the children of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. However, our God turned the curse into a blessing. So it was when they had heard the law that they separated all the mixed multitude from Israel. Verse 4. Now, before this, Eliashib, the priest, having authority over the storerooms of the house of our God, was allied with Tobiah, and he had prepared for him a large room where previously they had stored the grain offerings, the frankincense, the articles, the tithes of grain, the new wine and oil, which were commanded to be given to the Levites and singers and gatekeepers and the offerings for the priests. But during all this, I was not in Jerusalem for... the. In the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I had returned to the king. Then, after certain days, I obtained leave from the king, and I came to Jerusalem and discovered the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah in preparing a room for him in the courts of the house of God, and it grieved me bitterly. Therefore, I threw all the household goods of Tobiah out of the room." Then I commanded them to cleanse the rooms, and I brought back into them the articles of the house of God with the grain offering and the frankincense. Um, To start off, I read a lot of commentaries um, in studying, and some people like declared that this was one year later, and some said 15 years later, but the general consensus I got is it was anywhere from 1 to 20 years um, that, that Nehemiah was gone. But the first thing when I read this about Eliashib and Tobiah is I thought, where the heck was Chuck Smith, the other, the big wig guys, you know, the Ezra and all those guys, where were they? Why, why didn't the other leadership hold him accountable? Why did Nehemiah have to come out? I mean, this, I don't know if you guys all know this, but um, Tobiah was an Ammonite. He was a big wig Ammonite. Um, he was not, it's clear that he wasn't supposed to be there. And he certainly wasn't supposed to be in a room that was dedicated to holding the tithes uh, for the Levites who live off of that tithe. Um, This was bad. It's just sad to me. I mean, I told the girls, like, if I ever start going down that path, 
I expect somebody, and I grab Cece Pear. Get your butt back over here where you belong. You know, I don't let your sisters, don't let the, your sisters in Christ go down this road. You know, hopefully Eliashib repented and, and, and all is well with his soul in heaven now. But regardless, he had to stand in judgment before the Lord and, and explain why he did what he did. And I think that all the other elders of that community also, why didn't you say anything? Your brother was in trouble. He was on the very wrong path, and you didn't do anything. You know, ladies, confrontation is hard. But when we follow God's word and do things God's way, and we go to our sister in love and say, I'm scared for you. I feel like you're going down the wrong path. If she doesn't receive it, that's on her. But you did what you need to do. And that is love. Letting someone stay in their sin and perhaps die in their sin is not love. And so I pray that we get over our own insecurities, our own whatever, that we would be bold in love and love each other enough that we would step out of our comfort zone and help each other when we are going down the wrong path. Don't let your sister just blindly walk off a cliff while you're going, wait, wait, can you go tell her, wait, don't do that. No, be bold. It's not easy, I understand, for many reasons. You know, one, it's hard seeing your sister go down that path wrong. It's hard. And two, it's hard to confront people. But also, think of yourself selfishly. If you want a selfish reason, think one day you're going to have to stand in front of the Lord and he's going to ask you, why would you let her walk off that cliff? Why? You were right there. You could have stopped her. And you're going to have to go, well, I was too shy. It was uncomfortable. And what's God going to tell you? Not well done, good and faithful servant, for sure, about that example. Um, Love your sisters enough to speak up. And brothers, too. Um, It was very, very clearly written. And all the, everything, if you're not even sure, like, this doesn't seem right what she's doing, look it up. You'll be surprised, you know, if you start looking for a topic in the Bible, it's covered. It's kind of crazy. Like, everyone's always, ah, the sky is falling, things are getting so bad. Uh, I read my Bible, and this has been going on for a long time. Maybe we're more open about it now, I don't know. But it's not new. Um, We may make slightly new variations of things to sin with, and different drinks of alcohol and different kind of drugs or whatever, but... It's all been going on. Um, It says it in the Bible. And so if you're not sure, look it up. And then take it to your sister. I just read this. And God told me I had to show you. Love your sisters. Love your brothers enough. Um, And then back to verse 20. I also realized that the portions for the Levites had not been given to them. For each of the Levites and the singers who did the work had gone back to his field. So I contended with the rulers and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? 
and I gathered them together and set them in their place. Then all Judah brought the tithe of the grain and the new wine and the oil to the storehouse. And I appointed as treasurers over the storehouse Shelemiah the priest and Zadok the scribe and of the Levites Padiah. And next to them was Hanan the son of Zakur, the son of Mattaniah, for they were considered faithful and their task was to distribute to their brethren. I love that Nehemiah was so bold. I love that he went in there and he said, you may be a big wig, but you're out of here. And he put new, yep, fired Donald Trump. (laughs) Not that I'm promoting Donald Trump, but he does not have a hard time telling people they're fired. Um. And he needed his people taken care of. And one of the farther, I didn't read any commentary on this, but I imagine back in those days, most people learned their trade from their dad, from the time when they're small. And these Levites learned how to minister in the temple. They weren't farmers. They had to get the proverbial job-slipping burgers at McDonald's to take care of their families because they weren't getting their due. These guys were suffering. This had far-reaching consequences that they weren't getting what they were supposed to. People weren't getting trained up in the Lord. They weren't worshiping the Lord like they should because they didn't have anyone to lead them that way. And we all know, if you don't go to church, you don't sit at home and do church on Sunday as a general rule. It's certainly not long-term because, you know, it's more and more enticing to watch TV or sleep in or even prepare a nice meal for your family. You know, there's lots of stuff that we can do to fill our time. And if you don't have spiritual leaders guiding you and leading you back, then, you know, next thing you know, you're off wandering in the wilderness by yourself. And that's not where the Lord would have us. And so... The Bible tells us, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. James 5:19-20. Save your brethren from a multitude of sins. And then, remember me, O my God, Nehemiah said, concerning this, and do not wipe out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for its services. And then verse 15. In those days I saw people in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing it in sheaves and loading donkeys with wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of burdens, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them about the day on which they were selling provisions. Men of Tyre dwelt there also, who brought in fish and all kinds of goods, and sold them on the Sabbath to the children of Judah and in Jerusalem. Then I contended with the nobles of Judah and said to them, What evil thing is this that you do by which you profane the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers do thus, and did not our God bring all this disaster on us and on this city? Yet you bring added wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. So it was 
at the gates of Jerusalem, as it began to be dark before the Sabbath, that I commanded the gates to be shut and charged that they must not be opened till after the Sabbath. Then I posted some of my servants at the gate so that no burdens would be brought in on the Sabbath day. Now the merchants and sellers of all kinds of wares lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice. Then I warned them and said to them, Why do you spend the night around the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. From that time they came no more on the Sabbath, and I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves and that they should go and guard the gates to sanctify to find the Sabbath day. One of the first things I noticed about this is that he was telling everyone, no working on the Sabbath day. Hey, you guys, go get on that wall and work guarding it. Right? Anyone else catch that? Well, the difference here is, and some of us, like if none of us would can work on the Sabbath, then people could die in the hospital if you're a nurse. You know, you could lose your job, and then your family is going to be in trouble. Sometimes we have to work. The difference here that we're talking about and Rhonda kind of addressed this last week, is the, is the heart. It's a heart issue. Um, these people, their heart was about greed. It was set on money. It was set about, well, if I can earn good money working five or six days a week, then I can earn more working seven days a week. And that's all that they cared about. These guys that he appointed were doing so to help sanctify the Lord's day. They were doing their job to protect the Sabbath, and the Lord is not going to frown upon that. When you're doing work, God's work for God's reason, and that includes any job that you might have, working at Walmart or whatever, if you have to work on Sunday, God knows that you have to work because you need a job, but it's a matter of heart. It's a matter of the heart. Um, if you have to go work on your boat on Sunday morning so you could go boating in the afternoon with your family, that one's probably a little more iffy. Um, <laughs> probably God would rather that you were at church and then you did something else with your family that day and work on your boat maybe in the evenings after work or something, right? Um, another thing that I love about that is that Nehemiah saw the sin and addressed it, and addressed it quickly and decisively. My goodness, there is no gray area about how Nehemiah felt about this situation. It was very clear. He saw it, he addressed it, he took care of it, it was done. And that's how we should be. Um, and you know, after it's addressed, especially as women, I think, uh, don't keep going. Do you remember that day? Don't, you're not working on the Sabbath still, are you? Because, No. You know, don't keep on belittling people, using it as an excuse to judge people. Don't keep on with it. It's been addressed, let it go until you see that maybe it needs to be addressed again, right? But you need to let people live their own life, and they have to answer to the Lord themselves. Um, let's see. And then Nehemiah finishes, Remember me, O God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of your mercy. I can't help but think that Nehemiah by this time was exhausted. I'm just, Lord, these people that you gave me. <laughs> I say that about my family, so God, Lord, I'm exhausted. Um, 
But he kept going. He persevered. He did what needed to be done. And what a good man. I mean, if you don't care about people, then you don't care if they're working on the Sabbath. You don't care about their soul. You don't care. But he did care about these people. And he did care about their soul. And he did care about their spiritual growth. And that is a good man, Nehemiah. The man, the myth, the legend. Love him. Um, Remember me, oh my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of your mercy. In those days, I also saw Jews who had married some women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab, and half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod and could not speak the language of Judah, but spoke according to the language of one or the other people. So I contended with them and cursed them, then struck them and pulled out their hair and made them swear by God, saying, You shall not give your daughters as wives or sons, nor take the daughters for your sons or yourselves. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations there was no king like him, who was beloved of his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, pagan women caused even him to sin. Should we then hear of your doing all this great evil, transgressing against our God by marrying pagan women? Wow, I'm late. And one of the sons of Joida, son of Eliashib, the high priest, was the son-in-law of Sanballat, the Horonite, and therefore I drove him from me. Now, normally I wouldn't advocate beating people up as a way to bring them to the gospel. Um, but this was this was not like a little isolated incident in an otherwise healthy community. This was a big problem. Um, this was an unhealthy community with even unhealthier pockets within it. And that's why Nehemiah went to such extremes. Um, God is a God of love. And normally, you know, this I'm sure God would not condone like, hey, you know, I saw you marketing on Sunday. You weren't worshiping the Sabbath. Well, no, that's not what God wants us to do. But this this was a pretty extreme situation, and it called for desperate measures. And Nehemiah did the desperate measures. He did what needed to be done. Um, people were being led astray, and the children of these people were being led down a path of destruction, and their children and their children. We're talking generations of people that were being led astray because of um, the elders not directing these people on the right paths um, and because of people not remembering the Lord. And so we need to make sure, again, that we call sin sin and help try to guide our brethren in uh, positive, godly directions. And then in verse 29, he says, Remember them, O God, because they have defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and the Levites. Thus I cleanse them of everything pagan. I also assign duties to the priests and the Levites, each to his service, and to bring in the wood offering and the first fruits at appointed times. Remember me, O oh my God, for good. Nehemiah was not just concerned with the rebuilding of the walls of God's city, but the lives of his chosen people as well. And God did indeed remember Nehemiah for his work. We have a book in our Bible. And what have we learned today? One, to remember those who lead us faithfully in God's word. 
Two, to worship the Lord with joy that overflows onto others. Three, don't invite sin or sinners to live with you. Um, Four, tithe, do your part to support those who live from God's hand. Five, to call sin, sin, and help our brothers and sisters in Christ by praying for them, but also, if necessary, give them the proverbial, proverbial hair yanking, if necessary. Um, the law cannot stop sin. Six, the law cannot stop sin. Only Jesus can cleanse us when uh, we do not and cannot earn our salvation. Thank you so much, ladies. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you again for this journey through um, Nehemiah and for showing us an example of uh, such a wonderful, godly man who cared about you and um, your people and your chosen city, Father God. I thank you for all that we've learned about him. I pray um, for these ladies that you would just bless them in their small groups and um, that they would just have an amazing time of fellowship and growing together in your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.